Welcome back to the For the Ladies podcast. I just watched Mel Reed claim her first LPGA Tour title, and it was awesome. Mel has won six times on the Ladies European Tour and is a three-time European Solheim Cup member, so it was really cool to see her seal the deal in the U.S. Reed almost clinched her first win in Portland two weeks ago, but her final round play wasn't enough as Georgia Hall went on to win. Based on her social media, she really wanted to redeem herself, and she did just that. Mel has faced incredible hardships in her life, losing her mother in a car crash in 2012 while she was at a tournament in Germany. She's honest on social media and has quickly become a fan favorite. With the win, Mel earned a spot in the U.S. Women's Open, as did Jennifer Song, who finished solo third. Next week is the next major championship in women's golf, the KPMG Women's PGA Championship at Aronimic Golf Club in Pennsylvania. With players like Nellie Korda, Brooke Henderson, and Ashley Buhai continuing to top the leaderboards, I'd look at those names for a potential champion, and of course, now Mel Reed. Now on to our interview with Beth Ann Nichols, who is a senior writer for Golf Week and has been with the publication since 2002. Beth Ann has such a wealth of knowledge about the sport, and we cover topics such as golf internationally and the potential of more mixed events. This was a really enlightening conversation for me, and I hope you enjoy it. Okay, guys, today we welcome Beth Ann Nichols, who has been with Golf Week since 2002, and today is a senior writer for The Outlet. Thank you for being here, Beth. Thank you for having me. <laughs> uh, so we are going to do some quick nine with Beth Ann. The first one is, what is a snack that you have to have when playing golf? So this is more of a treat. Um, it's my go-to, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm playing an awesome course or I need a pick-me-up and that's the cold Snickers. <laughs> we had a lot of those this week at the U.S. Open. <laughs> I, I, it's something about it coming out of the cooler too. It makes it just even better. <laughs> um, what is part of your daily routine that like you just can't go without? I, so I go for a walk every day, um, sometimes twice a day. I, I, I listen, sometimes I make phone calls, I listen to podcasts, and sometimes I just listen to nothing and brainstorm and problem solve. And, uh, and then sometimes my husband comes along. So, <laughs> but that's, that's important. So yeah. Um, what is your favorite social media channel? Twitter is what I'm on the most. Um, and I, and it's fun for me to take readers followers inside the ropes at events with me I feel mm. like um and and also when a big event's going on and I'm on my couch I really like following the the broader conversation that everyone's having to see if I'm on the same page as other people or you know I, I find that fun but on Facebook I do love the first day of school pictures from all my friends oh. kids and Halloween those are my two favorite Facebook days <laughs> That works out nice because it's kind of like your private community of people. Yes. <laughs> um, what is typically your L your favorite LPGA tour stop? So I'm no, I know you're not going to be shocked by this, but the Evian because it's in France <laughs> and it's on Lake Geneva and it's spectacular. I mean the the views are amazing. Um, it's it's you know, all the players, everyone stays in the same little area, so you pass people all the time. You know, going to dinner and and they have amazing fireworks shows and parties night. I mean, it's, it's the best week of, of, uh, of just being splurged and pampered on for, for everyone. Um, right. It, it's, it's unlike any other week on tour. <laughs> I love it. I need to still get there. <laughs> yeah, you do. You do. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, what was the last book you read? So I actually had to write it down because for some reason it, I, I can't keep it in my head, but it was called A Heart for Freedom. Okay. And uh, it's the story of, of Shai Ling, who was the, the young woman, the college student who led the protests in Tiananmen Square. And uh, it was a fascinating book. Couldn't put it down. It's, it's an autobiography. It's I highly recommend it. Okay. I know I need to start making this list so people can, can have it. Um, <laughs> what is the last podcast you listened to? So I listen to Christine Kane um, every week. It's a, it's a equip and empower is the, the title of the podcast and it's, it's inspirational and it, I always, it's they're only like 25 minutes and I'm, I'm always inspired and challenged when I, when I finish one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And the last show that you, you just binge watch, you watch the whole thing. Whole dark. <laughs> okay. Of, but, uh, but no. <laughs> I, I recommend it. I like I like period pieces. It's set right after the American Revolution, and so okay. it's a good it's a good show. <laughs> All right. Do you prefer the driving range or playing nine? Playing nine, definitely. Um, evening nine, preferably. <laughs> mm, I like that. And your most memorable moment in covering golf so far. So that would be the 2007 British Open at the Old Course, the first time the women uh, competed there, the professionals. And, uh, and I was happy to be staying in the same bed and breakfast as Lorena Ochoa, which was just random. That's and I remember crazy. she's leading the tournament. It's like Saturday morning. I'm already at the, you know, everybody, when you're at about a breakfast at, uh, over, over in England or Scotland, anywhere in the UK, you know, everybody eats together. Uh, there's one table, you know, and if you happen to be coming down at the same time. Um, and so I, I was there with, with Catherine Kirk and Chris Tamales. We all happen to be eating at the same time. And here comes Lorena. And I'm thinking, someone playing the world, leading a major. Does she just, like, get it to go? Because she doesn't really want to talk, you know? Like, what does she do, you know? Yeah. She, she sat down. I mean, we, we, mm -hmm. I think we like just talk. I don't even remember what we talked about. I was just, I was just amazed that, you know, that's Lorena though. You know, I mean, she's the same, whether she's, you know, in, in the lead, you know, in behind a microphone, behind a camera or just sitting down to breakfast and, you know, it'd be, it'd be like Tiger Woods randomly at your B&B &B and he goes in, you know, breakfast, breakfast with you, the media and a couple other players, you know, and, and so, so that was, that was wild. And the after party was right next door after she won at the Dunvegan, which, which is, you know, about a pitching wedge from the first tee at the old course and uh, an iconic spot. And that was, that was something I'll never forget. <laughs> oh, that's a great one. Um, so talking about your own golf journey though I saw you grew up on a municipal course but but play, went on to play collegiate golf what was your journey to playing golf like so I started in a 50 cent league at my local muni on Mondays uh when you got older and you played 18 it was a dollar okay <laughs> uh, so I started out as like a once a week player as a kid and um and then when I got into the eighth grade ninth grade I, I started taking it a little bit more seriously and Okay. stopped playing basketball and, and was just a golfer. And, and when I look back on that time, uh, if, if a group of guys hadn't welcomed me into their group, because mm -hmm. there, there weren't any girls at the time, there was a girl that came along was a little bit younger than me, but pretty much it was just me. Mm -hmm. If they hadn't welcomed me and let me play with them every day, um, I don't think I would have stuck with the game because it was the social aspect that I loved the most. And, and sure, I, you know, there were a lot of times I was out grinding and playing by myself, but 
But for the most part, if they hadn't made me feel comfortable and given me that, that opportunity, I, I certainly wouldn't have the career that I have today. That's so nice. Are you still friendly with any of them? I am. Oh, yeah. that's awesome. They're, yeah, they're, they're, they're fantastic. They're, you know, they're married and they have kids and, you know, we, my, my husband, you know, likes them. I was in one of, one of the guy's weddings. <laughs> so, oh my gosh. Yeah, it was, it was, it was a great group of people. And, um, and yeah, I, I, you know, I think about that a lot because I'm still in a male dominated um, industry, you know, yeah. I, as are you. And oftentimes I'm the only female writer in the room, um, you know, or there's just a handful of us. So, um, so anyways. <laughs> That's so nice. What a cool, like full circle experience. Indeed, indeed. Uh, so in college you played golf, but did you also study journalism? So I, I went in thinking I was going to be in broadcast. I love Dateline. Okay. I thought it would be really cool to be like a Dateline producer sure. <laughs> or something like that. But, um, but I was, uh, you know, in, in college you have a, um, an academic advisor for athletes and he put me in mm. this um, sports writing class and asked me to tutor some of the athletes that he put in there. And so I was like, sure. And, and so I, I loved it. Like I absolutely fell in love with it. I joined the newspaper staff after that. And um, in my senior year, uh, I was sitting in my professor's office, and I remember him saying, I remember this like it was yesterday. He's like, so what do you want to do after you graduate? And I said, well, I'd love to work for a magazine, a golf magazine, but I feel like you'd have to be 40 before you could get one of those jobs, you know? <laughs> and, and, and he's like, it's funny now because I, I am 40 now. <laughs> and, and, and he's like, you know, I, I just saw an entry-level position on a, on a website, on editor and publisher that I think would fit fit you. And this was December of, of 2001. And so I immediately applied. I didn't think they had entry-level positions at magazines. Like I didn't think yeah. that existed. And I, and I was a Golf Week reader. And so I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? So, so I applied and I and I interviewed in January and I got the job, but I didn't graduate until, until May. So sure. the deal was I'd come in on Fridays and Saturdays um, and, and work and help them with their, their shifts. So I actually didn't play golf the last semester of college because okay. I knew this is what I wanted to do. And, and my coaches were fabulous about it. And, uh, and I started full-time the week after I graduated and have been there ever since. So kind of wild. Oh. So, <laughs> so when you were playing collegiately, the you were not thinking in the back of your mind like I'm going to try to go pro oh no not for yeah. a second <laughs> no yeah no, I had a lot of people at my team that were you know way better than me and I I knew that was never I I, I wasn't at that talent level and um and I but I the idea of staying in the industry and working in golf and continuing on I was actually a USGA boat ride intern I saw that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> and, and that was a lot of fun. And so, so, you know, the idea of being able to marry my two loves and, and, and my strength and writing, uh, has been just a dream job. Yeah. I, I had a similar, uh, situation. I didn't play college golf, but I knew I really liked golf. So I was the beat reporter at IU for, for golf. So, um, so yeah, it's, it, it's nice. It's cool to see stories in which people play and enjoy the game and they're passionate about it enough that they want to work in it too. Absolutely. It's a, yeah. it's a blessing. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. So moving on now to, to your career and writing about golf. I mean, you write obviously, and I'm sure this has changed over your tenure, but, um, the format in which you write stories, whether it's opinion, it's, um, human interest. It's like a gamer. Um, you know, it, it just like goes, it goes across the whole gamut. What, what are though your favorite types of stories to tell? 
So, I mean, I love this game, but I am not your technical person. Like, I'm not going to okay. break down someone's swing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. I mean, I, I'll let someone else do that and I'll report that back to you. <laughs> uh, but my, my favorite thing to do is to tell, is to tell human interest pieces. I, I, I love to talk about people and I, and I love to, to share what motivates a player, the story mm-hmm. behind the story that of the player that you're, that you're watching on the screen. And that's, that's definitely my favorite thing. And so many players have inspiring stories and great passions and, and things that drive them that have nothing to do with golf that they, you know, that are, that are fascinating and really make people, every player has something that people can relate to. And I think when you, when you uncover that and you unpack that and you, you, you show the, the full gamut of who this player is, you know, then other people can be like, wow, that's, I, I can connect with her on that or him on that. And, um, and those are my favorite stories. How has social media changed the way in which you get to tell those stories? Well, it's changed everything about, <laughs> about my job. There's no question about it. Um, you know, I, I think, well, first of all, you can get stories from social media because you, you get to see a side of players maybe when they, when they put it out there that gives sparks an idea. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think, I think social media in, enables enables people who are followers to connect with um with players on a deeper deeper level it enables me to show them a different side um you know the the behind the scenes of the photo shoot and behind the scenes of when i was you know at this player's home or um you know video is a when i'm allowed to shoot it (laughs) is a is a fantastic thing at events and um you know and and it's it's funny because when i'm writing a story i can hear the player in my head I know what their voice sounds like. I, you know, I, I know that their laugh sounds like, and it's cool to be able to sometimes be able to just have a short little quick video interview with a player um, that's not on the microphone or leading or people, you know, that people would hear from on the golf channel so that they, you know, they can now have that voice in their head and see that personality because yeah. players are so different off the golf course than they are on. And so being able to do that through social media, um, you know, Instagram live, things like that, I think really adds another dimension. Okay. Yeah. And I, yeah, it's, it's just been so funny to like see how things have changed. Like when I was in school, um, I literally, I only looked to golf week because at the time I was an AJGA intern. And so like golf week, they were the ones that covered amateur golf on a weekly basis. (laughs) Like that was all I looked to. And then, you know, looking like four years after that, it was, oh, now I'm like stuck to Twitter all the time. So so it's just, it's funny. But then you're like, gosh, I like, I've had enough of this just like quit hits, like all the little bits. And I just want to read like a nice story. And so obviously that's when, when it's good to have those outlets still. Yes. I mean, storytelling, I mean, hopefully I don't think it'll ever die because it's, you know, I mean, it's, I mean, you can only get so much out of a, you know, 250 word blog or, you know, a tweet, you know, and, and, and people still crave depth, even though, you know, my not, it's not what dominates our, our industry right now. I think there's still a craving for it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I do want to switch gears a little bit into just like golf today. Um, and it can be incredibly confusing, uh, whether it's <laughs> the rules or it's etiquette. You know, for me, when I'm teaching women um, during For the Ladies events about etiquette, like something as simple as like 
you should stand off to the side, not on the tee box while somebody else is hitting. Yeah. Uh, like there's just little things that like you wouldn't even realize because if you're playing a game typically with someone, like you're right with them and you're doing your thing. But in golf, you're like, you're not right on top of somebody when you're playing <laughs> a game. So right. I think that there's just a lot of like little intricacies. And then that also extends to even like the way that the game is um, it's governed. And then also with like the, tours and associations, how they have their rules. Do you think that, how does that affect golf in your opinion, just like across the board, all these like small intricacies? Well, sometimes common sense doesn't prevail. Right. <laughs> I feel like, um, you know, a lot of times we have so many rules in this game and, and, you know, a lot of things that, well, we've always done it that way. So, you know, that's just kind of the way it is. And then when when there are extenuating circumstances, which is what 2020 has been, uh, <laughs> the asterisk year, right. um, you know, you, you look at it and you say, well, like in the case of Sophia Popov, you know, why can't we make an exception here? You know, and why, if you win a major, you should be in the next one. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's just kind of the way. I, and so, so I think sometimes, you know, golf just can't get out of its own way. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's funny because I've played since I was nine years old, but, I, but my husband didn't really start taking the game seriously or really even really playing it uh, until we met. And so in his thirties, he's taking, taking up the game. And so it's been really interesting because things that, you know, like, like, for example, he never wanted to pull the, the pin out. He didn't, he's like, why do you pull the flag stick? Like, what's the point of that? You know? Right. And, and I'm looking at him like, of course you do. Like, what's wrong with you? You know? And so yeah. when the USDA changed that rule, he's like, I won. You know? <laughs> you know, he's, he's like so excited. See, I was right. And it's been interesting to look at golf through his lens of, of a newbie, you know, and what he, what he likes, what he doesn't like, whether it be watching golf on television or, um, you know, or, or playing it, you know? And so it's, it's been kind of refreshing for me to kind of, I don't know, take a step back and look and look at it in a, in a different way. Yeah. And, and I, I totally agree. Like common sense does not always prevail. And, <laughs> and it can be some of like the most frustrating things in the entire world. You're like banging your head like, oh my gosh, like, why is it like this? <laughs> so. right. I, I know. And that, and that unfortunately dominates the headlines, right? And that's what, what people, you know, I mean, we love it when, when we get traffic, don't get me wrong, but, but at the same time, you know, you, you know, you don't want it to be that people only tune into the women's game, for example, when there's controversy right. or PGA tour players only weigh in on the women's game when there's a controversy, you know, yeah. like okay, I yeah. think they would weigh in, you know, at other times too, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And I, that's such a good point. I, and that's something like we continue to talk about more and more is like, how do we get, like, we know the players are paying attention. We know PGA tour players are watching because some of them are friends with these women. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, they're paying attention, especially when the weeks don't overlap and, and how can we get them to engage in that conversation or just like shout out women who are playing well, especially because so many of them grew up playing with them. Oh, absolutely. I mean, they're, they're genuinely friends right. <laughs> and, they, and they know how good they are. Um, you know, I think it's just, in some cases, just a lack of awareness. I don't 100%. think they realize how, how much a small thing would go a long way. And, um, and I, you know, I, 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 I'm hopeful that what Justin Rose did, which was not a small thing, was a big thing. Um, I hope that that, you know, caught some people's attention and, and maybe they'll 
um, start looking into what their role is, you know, in, in this, because I really think at the end of the day, the PGA tour drives the bus, right? And if they, they want to make a mixed team event happen, they can make it happen. You know, they can make anything happen. (laughs) So, um, so it's, you know, the ball's in their court and wouldn't it be great if sponsors that had PGA tour tournaments, title sponsors were in the women's space too, you know, even if it's not sponsoring a tournament, but logos on players, you know, um, you know, uh, having a, an exhibition, you know, the commercials during the event, <laughs> I mean, you know, right. like it seems like there could be, you know, other sponsorships, other ways to engage in the LPGA audience to really live up to what corporate America is saying now about equality and what right. their, their mission statements are. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that would help them fulfill on those. And, um, since you've brought it up, I mean, I would be curious of like, what formats would you like to see in these co-ed type events? Team events are always like really fun and exciting, but I was just wondering what your thoughts were on what a format would be interesting to you. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I went to the JC Penny classic when I was in high school and I watched Tiger Woods and Kelly Keeney play together. And I remember it like it was yesterday and both, you know, they're matching outfits, red and black Nike outfits, you awesome. know, and, and I mean, that was when I went, I went to high school in the mid nineties. Like, why have we not had that since then? Like, right. And I do wonder though, like why? Um, exactly. I mean, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I don't know why this hasn't been a priority for the PGA tour because the LPGA certainly wants it. And, and it, it you know, it, it comes down, down to obviously finding the right sponsor, but I got to think that, you know, if, if the, if the PGA tour really made this a mission that they were going to pitch this, you know, that, that they could find, find a partner for that event. Um, you know, I mean, I love the Vic open as well, which is the European tour and the LPGA where you have players mixed in back to back groups. They're playing the same golf course. I think that's fantastic. You know, when a family comes out to watch golf and you sit down on one green and in one minute you're watching men, yeah. the next minute you're watching women. I, I love that idea. Um, and you can see how they attack the hole differently, you know, um, there's going to be a, the, the college tournament, um, at, at, at the blessings that's coming up here. Yeah. You know, we'll, have, we'll, we'll have men and women on the, on the course together. And, um, and I know it's a little bit different because of COVID because they, they're going to, I believe they're going to have the whole team playing together. Okay. Uh, and so it won't be yeah. quite as mixed as it, as it would have been, but I look forward to what that tournament's going to do in the future because, you know, we have that on the AJGA, we have mixed, mixed events. Um, and I think, you know, the, the more you have it, uh, the more, the more it just becomes normalized. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and Hallie Ledbetter was talking to me about that last week when we spoke at the U S open, she was like, if you don't see it, you can't do it. Like you can't reflect that. You can't continue to do it. So you have to at least put it out there so that we can continue. Um, one, one that I like brought, wanted to bring up, of course, was just when the U S open and women's open were back to back. I mean, for me, I, you know, this was back when I was like still at like the AJGA, I think. And like, I was so new to golf and like, I wasn't really thinking, um, about like women's equality in the game. And just like, I was so young and like trying to like figure it all out. And Mm -hmm. now that I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, that was so pivotal and exciting. Um, and I was wondering if like you were there, if you had any experiences with it. Yeah, I was there for, for, for both events, for the men and the women. And, uh, 
and the women definitely put on the better show. <laughs> right, right. No, about it. no offense to Martin Keimer, but right. it's kind of a blow-away snooze fest, unless you're like Martin Keimer's family. But, you know, I mean, it was Michelle Wee, right? It was the best yeah. case scenario for for women's golf. And, and you know, I mean, I, I, I can't believe that the USGA doesn't already have it on the calendar for another one. Um, yeah. I've, I've got to believe that it's going to happen. Uh, I think I think the PGA of America could, you know, mm -hmm. if they didn't have their events out till like, you know, 2050. <laughs> I feel yeah. like they, you know, they they could they could have one. You know, they've done a tremendous job with with KPMG. Um, you know, the, the women's PGA. They brought it to some fantastic golf courses. Um, you know, I just think the governing bodies, you know, have it haven't had this incredible opportunity to do it and 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 hats off to the rna for taking the the women's british open the aig to to muirfield and and next year back at carnoustie and then of course st andrews i mean that's that's fantastic um you know it would help with media as well if you you know when you have media that that will stick around when they're the same sure. venue back to back um that that otherwise you know might not make it to a, a women's major so so many benefits to it yeah. And, we, you know, we look to events like the U.S. Open Tennis, Wimbledon, when like they're right side by side and and people are exposed to both genders of the game. And it's like, yeah, that's why that's why it works. That's why they have stars on both ends of the spectrum. Absolutely. And the, and the LPJ adage that, you know, you have to see it to believe it is so true. I mean, mm -hmm. when people go to an LPJ event in person and they see how the women interact with fans and they watch their, their skill in person. Um, you know, I, th I think they have a totally different appreciation for the product than, than, than what they see on TV. Um, yeah. so, you know, and, and if you have, if you have an LPGA majors at venues that, that stand on their own as bucket list destinations and places that people want to tune in and see like Augusta national, um, then right. it, just, it just takes, it takes the women's game to a whole other level. Yeah, that was what was fun for me when the LPGA came to Inverness. I'm certainly biased as like, I am a member there. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, like it was like, and you know, guys that I'm close to in golf who love golf architecture, mm -hmm. like, they were so excited to just see the course on TV and mm -hmm. professional golfers playing on it. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. And, and it, I mean, it was, a, it was a major championship venue uh, for the LPGA at a, at, a, at a regular stop, you know, but a wonderful preview for the Solheim Cup next year. And I mean, I, I'd be hard pressed to find anyone that wouldn't say that it's going to be the best Solheim Cup venue to date, um, you know, for, for, for the entire event. So, um, so, you know, it just goes back to like Royal Troon, you know, I mean, Popoff, fantastic winner, yeah. but people also loved watching her win on a course they're familiar with that has such great history and, and so much respect. Yeah, and if you if like if that is the secret sauce, like that's okay. Like if it's the secret right. sauce is like we have to be playing on like a world renowned golf course, then that's what we should be doing. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Why not? It's why right. not have the best of the best, right? <laughs> yeah, of course. So a place that though I feel like has a lot of affinity toward golf and women's golf is South Korea. And I know you have a, like some experience there. And I, I just think I don't know much about golf in South Korea other than that, like people are fanatics. But yeah. I was wondering if, are there any specifics about like gender in playing the game there? Well, I mean, let, let, let's just start with the fact that, that 
like Sung Young Park is a rock star. Like, like yeah. women screech when they see her to the point of like, it hurts my ears. Like I'm at a Justin Bieber concert or something. Like it is wild. Like you've never, I've never seen anything like it than, than at the International Crown uh, a couple of years ago. It was like, holy cow. I mean, I, and I've been to Korea several times, but, but that was like a whole other level because they were playing and representing Korea. So yeah. it was even bigger, you know, they're, they're taking on America. It was, it was a bigger deal. But, um, but, you know, I mean, this all started with, with Sayri, obviously. But, and I say that to say that she wasn't just a, a female sports star. She was an icon, period. She was a hero for the entire country. And so men fell in love with Sayri as much as women did. And okay. so, it, you know, it got men out playing golf, obviously getting their daughters involved as well. Yeah. But, um, but it was a superstardom that we, we haven't seen, you know, I mean, we thought Michelle, we might do that um, in America, uh, but obviously that, that in injuries and, you know, and a lot of intense pressure, you know, kind of kept that from happening. But, but I mean, when you really look at how she created this explosion, not only in South Korea, but in Asia in general, um, how, how it's, how it's, it's, you know, moved its way around. It's, it's, it's pretty fascinating. And I, I mean, what a game changer she has been, but I mean, winners support winners, right? I mean, South Korean players have dominated the LPGA. And so, so they're, they're, they have great sponsorships individually. Um, you know, they make a lot of money off the golf course and, and they're, they're stars. They're on, billboards and mainstream talk shows and in commercials and and all the things that you don't see happening here in the United States so you know I mean like even when when um Maria Fossey and Jennifer Cupcho go on the late show you know or they're on the today show you know I mean these these things generally don't happen right so that I mean it happened when Michelle we won and I actually went to New York for the for the, the big media day, the car wash the day, you know, right after she won at Pinehurst. And it was, it was incredible. And she was fantastic. And you thought, wow, this is what it could look like, you know? Yeah. And then, and then it just sort of didn't really go yeah. after that. But, but it was, you know, it was a kind of a glimpse into what, what is possible. And, um, and it's already happening and it has been happening for a long time in South Korea. Yeah. I was wondering what like those tangible things were like, I, I don't live there. So I wouldn't know that like they're in commercials, they're on like late shows. Like that's the stuff that like sounds like the dream here. So yeah. They have, and they have these amazing fan clubs and people literally travel all over the world, you know, to, to go watch them. And it's, um, it's a, it's a community of hardcore supporters. <laughs> it's, uh, it's fascinating. It really is. It's wild. And I, I need to like catch up more on it, but, but you don't, all we hear about is how much they dominate the sport. We don't really, sometimes we hear the stories about how much that means to that country or that group of people, but yeah. it's not as often as, as maybe it should. Yeah. It was the same with Aimee Azado in, in, in Japan, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, she was, you know, in a lot of mainstream commercials and, you know, she was an, an absolute, you know, athletic icon, you know, and, and that's, it's kind of hard for us to wrap our heads around, right. but it, I mean, it's like Serena, right? I mean, it's basically like Serena and, and women's golf doesn't have a Serena. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, speaking of international golf, I, you know, I, I listened to your podcast with Randy from knowing up and that was like 
before the pandemic really hit. So you're like, yeah, we'll be back in March. I was like, oh my gosh, no, we're not. So much has changed. Yeah. But you guys at the time were talking a lot about the Olympics and, and how obviously on an international scale, so many people, like so many women um, are trying so hard to get on that team. Whereas when I was reading articles, when it was first introduced back to the Olympics, when the sport was brought back, the men, it was like, very like they were wavering on if they were going to, if they were interested. Why is there such a difference between genders when it comes to the passion for it? Money? <laughs> I, mean, yeah. I mean, I I mean, just if I'm just being blunt. I mean, yeah. I, I feel I feel like on the women's side, you know, there aren't a lot of women getting rich in the game, right? Yeah. And so they're playing for pure passion, love of the game. Yes, they want to make a living, right? But the vast, vast majority of them will go on and do something else when they leave the LPGA. They, they will have mm -hmm. to. And so, you know, FedEx money, you know, doesn't, doesn't exist on the LPGA. And, and, and it's, it's just a different world. And, they, and, the, and the idea of playing for country is, is massive, mm -hmm. you know. And it ha I mean, it's, you look at what it means to be on that South Korea team, even before NB1, you know, and then, then after NB1, an even bigger deal for them, you know, and, and I, you know, I just think that, that at the heart of it, you know, that the idea of representing their country was something that, you know, they, they couldn't possibly think about turning down, you know, they were going to, if it meant a more exhausting schedule, I mean, heck, Stacey Lewis got married in the middle of all that, you know, I mean, like, you know, they're, they were going to make it work, you know, and, and, and that it was just a totally different mentality. And I, and I think, you know, the men it was, it's all about the majors and that's how they felt like mm -hmm. what defined them. And, and I think women were looking at the bigger picture of what this means for my country, you know, and it's so diverse on the LPGA and there's so many of the top players, you know, would be the rock star in their country, you know, like, sure. like, you know, when you look at the Jutana Gardens in Thailand and, and what they mean to Thailand, you know, yeah. I mean, we don't have a Serena on the LPGA for America, but there are a lot of Serenas in other countries around the world on the LPGA. And so the idea of not showing up and trying to win a medal for their country was unthinkable. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. It's just a completely different mindset, but, um, but that's okay. And, and hopefully they can, they can play in 2021. Um, yes. it'll be awesome. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I also want, you know, I want to talk a little bit about of just like how women's golf and women's sports in general are covered. It is kind of a chicken and the egg situation. Like if women's golf is not on the major network for their final round, for example, people aren't, to, to be able to tune in and that's why the numbers are low so you know there's just like all these external variables that you know could be controlled but they're kind of not um and I I, I it's tough for me because I feel like I'm close to it but I have felt like women's golf has a little bit has more eyeballs on it this summer and I, I was just wondering like what your perspective was on do you do you see women's golf getting more coverage do you see people paying more attention I think there was the benefit of, of golf being the only game in town there for a little while. Um, I wish the LPGA could have gotten out a little bit earlier, like mm. the men did, to, to take more advantage of that. Um, and it was obviously a big shame that they weren't involved or couldn't find a way to have a charity match, you know, around that time as well. But I, I would say that, you know, 
it comes back to our earlier conversation about, you know, investment from the corporate standpoint and, and, you know, really going out on, on, on a limb, shall we say, um, to, to see if they, if they can, you know, do some good here. Right. Because it, it really elevates all of golf when, when women are succeeding and, and all of society, I mean, not to overgeneralize, make it, it really is true, you know? And, and so I think, you know, at the same time, it's up to the LPGA as well to take some ownership up, ownership of it and think outside the box a little bit more. I don't see a problem with having some events that are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday that are different time times of the week. Um, some players feel like that's a slap in the face and a step back because they're not golf is on the weekend, you know. <laughs> but you know, I mean, I thoroughly enjoyed the 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 exhibition yesterday. Um, Right. I don't know when this will air, but Tiger Woods' exhibition at, um, at, at Payne's Valley, I thought it was fantastic. And that, that was on a Tuesday. Um, and I realized that's an exhibition. But at the same time, you know, people were excited to have more golf. And I think, um, you know, I, I also think that with social media, to our previous conversation, LPGA players could do more to open themselves up, put themselves out there, become more available because you can't compare yourself to the men and say, well, the men don't have to do this. Why should we have to do this? Because you're behind the men (laughs) and the gap is ever growing. And the only way to close that gap is to do more and to have the founders like perspective. They're out there Mm. back in the day, pounding the stakes in the ground. They're the PR team. They did everything. And, and yes, there are more demands on the modern day player, but if you really want to take it to the next level, you have to sacrifice a little bit more and put yourself out there a little bit more, do more media than you probably want to, um, you know, make a push to, 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 to pitch things for, you know, more lifestyle pieces and get out there in the, in the mainstream. You know, I think that's on the LPGA, but I also think that's on the individual players as well. So I think, I think, you know, everybody can take a little bit of ownership in, in trying to move, move the needle. Yeah. There's a few things there, like the women's soccer team, like you, they own it. They are taking ownership of being in front of cameras and standing up for what they believe in. And they are very vocal, like, and that's why people pay attention is because they put themselves out there in such a big way. Um, and with buying a soccer team, like there's just, they're, yeah. they're, they do so much that you're like, Oh, like this is why we're all paying attention. It's because athletes are leading the conversation. Um, but it's also, it's, it also doesn't have to be about social justice. It could also just be sure. about you showing your personality and you yeah. doing more and, and, you know, I mean, the, the social media platform, there's so many things you can do for free, <laughs> you know, that it's like, and, and nobody really like during the pandemic, no player really took the bull by the horn and really became a breakout star while they were at home, you know, where they, sure. didn't, they created any must-see content, you know, like, you know, you, you kind of, that goes back to the outside the box thinking, which, which Mike Wan has been pretty, pretty good at, you know, yeah. but I, I still think that, you know, some players could, could, take it, you know, a little bit further, push the envelope a little bit more. Yeah. Um, and then additionally, oh, there was something else. Oh, with the, again, back to the no laying up guys, since they do support some LPGA players, one of them was saying, um, you know, they, they were talking to one of their players and that she, um, 
you know, she was, they were like, are you upset that you only got an hour of coverage during the AIG Women's Open on NBC? And they were like, no, an hour is more than zero. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, they were like, I, you know, because otherwise people, you know, are they going to Golf Channel to find us? No, but they might already be on NBC and then we're right there, right in front of right. their faces. Um, so I thought that was like a, an interesting tidbit I was like oh yeah I guess that would make sense that like they were at least excited to be on the broadcast yeah because the sad reality is not all their majors are on network and right. so um you know it's it, it, or even the Solheim Cup <laughs> right so you know they it's um you know it's that fine line you know like you, but they need and, and I say that being being grateful for what you have because yeah. you're grateful for the sponsors that do step up and do invest but at the same time you know wanting more and 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 trying to get more and I think right. that um you know the the network is the key I mean yeah. you, golf golf nuts are already watching the golf channel so getting getting new fans is what's really gonna help the LPGA definitely um, before my last question, I would ask, like, if somebody was kind of new to paying attention to women's golf and, and trying to, you know, they want to support and they're going to watch the, uh, the coverage, what advice would you have for somebody who's kind of like new to watching women's professional golf? You're going to see a lot of names on the board from different countries. And, um, you know, and you're, and if you're new, there aren't any household names because Michelle Wee's on maternity leave. <laughs> so, you know, it's going to be a lot of new faces. And I would say just have an open mind because, you know, these players, if you, you know, if, if you want to Google, I've written about a lot of them, <laughs> but I mean, you know, Google search while you're watching and try to get a little bit of the backstory and, and get to know a little bit more about the players because, you know, I mean, the women worth watching campaign. I mean, it's, it's so true. I mean, they, they have just as good, if not more compelling stories than the men do. Um, the, the, the road is exceptionally hard to yeah. get to level and, uh, and the quality of golf, they make it look easy, but it, it really is, um, something to behold. And so I think, um, just give it a chance. Love it. And then the last question I ask every um, interviewee is just what advice do you have for women who would like to pick up the game? I love, so I love this question because I have a couple of things. Okay. <laughs> um, so I've seen a lot of pro-ams, right? Like a ton of pro-ams. <laughs> I played in quite a few myself as well. And women, you know, you're the corporate you're, you're, you're a corporate woman, you've been invited to play in the pro-am and you're thinking everybody is going to be so good. And I'm here to tell you the vast majority of them cannot break 90. Many cannot break 100. Uh, very few are actually good players. <laughs> so, yeah. so don't think for a second that you're, I'm going to be the worst one out there. I'm going to be the only one that doesn't know what I'm doing. You know, right. I mean, that, not at all. Have fun. Be relaxed. You know, it, it's just more about networking. That's the point of the pro-am, right? And so it's not, nobody cares how you're playing. You know, it's have a good time, network. My next thing is for people who um, are just trying to go to the Muni, you know, just trying to get into it. Um, so for my, for my husband and I, this is what works for us. We have vastly different skill sets when it comes to golf. And yeah. When not, and I'm not saying if we're going to play some like high dollar bucket list place, but if we're just going, you know, play the Muni or play, play a course down the road, we play a scramble a lot. Oh. And, and that might not 
occur to some people, but it, it really, if, if we haven't been to the range in a long time, we have time to go to the range, you know, it just kind of, it makes us a team, first of all. <laughs> and my, and my husband still, you know, he's still competitive about us doing well in a scramble, which is funny. And I just, I'm still on for the ride, but, but, but it really just takes the pressure off of yeah. everyone. We're not worrying about a score. We're, we're fast. Um, you know, if Ben wants to drop another one and try it again, it's okay because we're fast because we're yeah. playing scramble. And, uh, and it just, you know, I just think it just puts the emphasis on fun and not so much of a competition, right. And a score. And then my last thing, which I got earlier this year from this, uh, from, from a, a pro, she was talking about her, her ladies leagues at her club. Okay. And she said, you know, there's so many women, you know, they have, they have family membership or, you know, their husbands play, but they don't play and they want to get involved. They sign up for my series. So the first thing that we do before we go to the range or we hit any golf shots is we familiarize ourselves with the club, which mm -hmm. sounds kind of silly, but I, I've played golf my whole life and I know it can be overwhelming going to, going to a place, a new place, especially hoity toity place sometimes and not really knowing where to go or what to do. So she's like, we, this is the bag room. This is how the, you know, the bag drop works. This is how, you know, how early you should be at your, at your tea time. You know, this is how you make a tea time. This is how, you know, the mm. appropriate for tips, you know, the, the, you know, all the, all the little things that you don't really think about when you're maybe not even at your club, but a guest at a club or, you know, playing somewhere out of your comfort zone that, that might deter you from wanting to do it because you show up and you don't even know kind of where to begin, you know? And so I love that. I thought yeah. that, you know, when we come, it's just not, you know, it's about etiquette. It's about just sort of the, how to maneuver your way around and not feel like you've, you've made a wrong move. Right. <laughs> so I, I, thought, love that. I thought that was fantastic. So those are my, my new to the game and just, just relax. It's the hardest game in the world, but it's also the most fulfilling. Yeah. And, and, and so you kind of just got to roll with it. <laughs> Definitely. Those are fantastic. I need to do like a, like, a, and, and multiple people have asked me this, like the, a how to like go to a golf course. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but like having somebody at a country club though, like doing that as part of like a clinic is like fantastic. It makes so much yeah. sense. Oh. I, I was like a light bulb moment for me. Yeah. Like, wow. That's, that's really good. You know, and cart etiquette, like she goes over that, you know, like where you can and shouldn't drive your cart and just like, and you haven't even hit a golf shot yet, but already you feel like you kind of know how to, how to get your way around, you know, we'll worry about hitting the ball later. <laughs> I'm, I'm adding that to every for the ladies event. Like it's just <laughs> taking the idea immediately. <laughs> awesome. I wish I could remember who told it to me to give her credit, but um, oh. <laughs> great. <laughs> perfect. Well, thank you so much for your time, Bethann. This was fantastic. Uh, I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Our original music is composed and performed by my talented and wonderful friend, Ryan Young. If you're looking for more from For the Ladies, visit us at fortheladies.net and on Instagram at fortheladies. That's F-O-R-E.